You are listening to my papa and my uncle Polly on the Cole and Bro Opinion Show. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket. And welcome to the Cole and Bro Opinion Show. Without the Cole, without the Doc, I am here with good friend of mine. We will call him Uncle Charlie. How you doing, Charlie? Good. Can, I'm doing can you, good you can hear that music okay? Oh, yeah. All right. Great, good. great, great. So I wanted to come in because we had uh, there was a little gap in between episodes, and I know uh, we've had some issues uh, with Mother's Day weekend, and, and then uh, we were going to do a show last week, and just a whole thing just went Kapui. But uh, we're back. We're going to do a show tonight, obviously. And uh, we're going to make it fun. Uh, we've had a lot of people call in, or actually email and say, we really enjoy the music part of your podcast. So we are going to start with, well, we're going to pretty much delve into this whole episode. Uh, I call it Music in Common. And I know uh, when uh, Charlie was on a while ago uh, for a different subject matter, I wanted to bring him on. And I totally forgot. But I'm glad you're. I'm glad we. And we have been talking about doing a music thing now for quite a while, haven't we, Charles? Oh, been a couple of years, two, three years. We've been talking. Well, more than that. Yeah. Goes back. Yeah, we've been talking about it. And I know. Um, and. And I know I, I love talking music with you because uh, you just have a vast uh, knowledge of different things, it, and, and and I think that's that's what uh, I think that's what I think that's one of the things that have have attracted me, uh, as, as a friendship wise. I mean, because we've been playing music together now for what? What did we start, Charles? Was it sixteen? Oh, we've been 15? six. Oh yeah, <laughs> five six years. Yeah. yeah, six years maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we've been, and up until the pandemic, we were going great guns. Yeah. And uh, hope we go great guns again, you know. But uh, yeah, and, and you know, music for me has been a lifelong thing. Now, clearly, I, I have um, interest in earlier eras of music, uh, you know, but it's been a lifelong thing ever since I was a kid, you know. It's just been a, a big part of my life of playing and um and then following and then reading about it, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So I'm really, uh, as you know, and you too, when we talk, we're both really into it. I know we're always sending each other. Uh, it, it'll be it'll be weird. It'll be like I may not text you for about a week or two, and the next thing you know, I know you're probably thinking, he's sending me another YouTube link of a song. Oh, <laughs> I love them. I love them. I, I, I love getting those, and I send them to you too, and uh, – I just, uh, I love getting those, those, especially the obscure ones, you know, things you didn't know, you know, and songs you had forgotten about that were great songs. And, uh, and I think thanks to like uh, Sirius XM and, and, you know, I don't want to badmouth local radio stations, but, um, and I'll mention a, a local radio station, Scotty. I just, I just discovered, okay. but um, Sirius XM, you can get a variety of music, right? You know, it's 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 very you know you can switch from the Sinatra era, which is not all Sinatra, but dominated by him, sure. to you know little Stevie's Underground Garage, and you can get a lot of that garage rock, you know, Absolutely. or you can get the Beatles or or you know yacht rock and as they call it and all that. Uh, so you get a wide variety, which, as when I was growing up, that's the way radio was. Now, I just discovered, if we got a minute to talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. I just discovered a radio station, and I was I was in my car, and I was, actually, I was looking for sports talk radio, and I was scanning okay. as I was driving, and it stopped on 89.5, and it's got a very small broadcast area. Okay. It's located in Auburn Hills, and it's WAHS, 89.5. And what it is, it's the Avondale High School radio station. Really? Okay. And there's a there's a show in the af, uh, 
you can go to the, you can just uh, search them on Google for, and you get their website and you can get their programming schedule. And they do a lot of community stuff in sports, obviously, but there's a thing called rock and roll high school. Okay. And it's incredibly good with these young people, their knowledge of music and discussing music. And it's eclectic like radio used to be. You could hear something, you know, from, uh, you know, you could hear something from Tom Jones and the next song could be from Tom Petty. Right. You know, it's just all over the place. And I appreciate that. And I think they have one and you can look it up and it's very good. If you're into the blues, they have a blues program. I think it's called Motor City Blues or something like like that. You can find it in the program guide. And whoever the uh, disc jockey is, he just plays great blues music and not, you know, you know, not the songs you're real familiar with that have become popular, but, you know, from obscure artists and uh, really interesting. So, and that appeals to me because I, I, I like a blend of music and I, I will admit to being a pop music fan. I am more into pop music than uh, any particular genre, although I respect them all. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same so. way, Charles. I, 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 I'm I more of an eclectic type of music guy myself. I mean, I, I, I'll give any, anything a listen. Um, I enjoy, uh, speaking of Sirius XM, I enjoy listening to, so I don't know if you listen to Soul Town. Um, oh, absolutely. And you know what I yes. love about that station is that I hear a lot of songs um, that I've never heard before that I love. But not only that, I I hear like different artists. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I you know, I'll be 50 years old in September, so I'm getting up there in age. But the, you know, that you know, obviously a lot of that music was before me. Um, but uh, man, I mean, even like in, on that station to hear different artists and 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 it just opens your mind up to uh, or opens your palate up to more music than what you thought you knew, you know, cause you always go mow yeah. down and it's, you know, it's a temptations and Marvin Gaye and Smokey Robinson, you know, the Supremes. But when you listen to like, you know, yeah, he listened to a lot of things like, you know, the Jerry Butler and, and, you know, a lot of the Philly soul that, that, uh, oh, that's yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's like, and it's, and it's amazing to me how rich, that music was you know what i'm saying yeah like how it, just how full and just the musicianship i mean it, i mean it's just amazing to me yeah it's um it was a it was a great era of music there were great songwriters that put out just that wrote not a couple songs here or there that were hits but they wrote they wrote 15 20 number one hits you know and um the studio musicians they used very they were very they tended to be fairly static groups they just didn't trot in for this session you're going to play and this session this guy will play they were the the sort of the house band for the recording labels right and they were incredibly tight and and yeah i i'm fortunate and so i'm a little older than you and so anybody that wants to know how old i am they can look this guy up and we're the same age um when I was growing up, and I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm from the southeast uh, Oakland County area, very south and very east, and as south and as east as you can go. And, um, but I ended up meeting up through friends and neighborhood things, a young guy from Berkeley, and his name was Marshall Crenshaw. And uh, Marshall's had a couple of hit records and uh, still tours and so on. A great songwriter, but um, and I actually, as a kid, I actually played in a couple bands, little garage bands with him, played a few little little gigs, you know. Right. And uh, but what I found about Marshall was he was very much advanced musically over the rest of us. So from that era, you know, you'd be you'd find your friends were into the, the typical Led Zeppelin or this or that. Marshall had a very eclectic taste. He introduced me to Buddy Holly. So I got to know Buddy Holly. He was deeply into the Beach Boys, and now, which you and I have talked about, because the perception that the Beach Boys were just, you know, a, a really light, uh, what would you, you know, pop band that didn't have a lot of substance. And when you get into them, you realize how musically complex they were, oh, big thanks time. to Brian Wilson. 
and the, I learned about the Grateful Dead. I, they, they introduced me to Steely Dan. He did Todd Rundgren and um, people that were just a little bit, you know, outside that main that mainstream of real popular music. So I was very fortunate. So over the years, I kind of carried that with me. It, it, it influenced me greatly. And so, you know, you know, when we play Scotty, I, you know, I, I you know, like I, I play, I like to play the music we all know and love, you know, right. and uh, I just love it. And, and, and I know you feel the same way, especially when it comes to the Beach Boys, because we've, we've gone back and forth about, about, about how good the Beach Boys really were. And when you say the Beach Boys really being good, you're talking Brian Wilson, you know, oh, primarily. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was a rich era of music, that is for sure, you know. Lots of great musicians and lots of uh, great songwriters. Well, you kind of grew, grew up in that uh, the, the throughout the 60s and the 70s. Um, mm-hmm. Like, when I read about, um, like, Motown and, and different things like that, it was like, it just, I, you don't really see it now, but it, it just seemed like it was such a booming era for uh art i mean music i mean just like people wanting to to create music um w- would you say that i mean even like locally in detroit oh. you know because i know you, oh, oh, you always yeah. talk about bob Seeger and different things like that and him playing the mall oakland mall and different stuff like that oh yeah oakland mall parking lot um uh the who playing southfield high school really um okay oh yeah you can look that one up and um it was a great era of live music in Detroit. And it was the Motown thing was obviously, you know, the jewel of Detroit. There's just no question about it. You know, it put musically, it put us on the map, but there were these other people doing things. And, you know, when you say Detroit, obviously the Motown people were all primarily from the city, okay, of Detroit. But when you say Detroit, we're obviously talking everywhere from up to Ann Arbor and and the surrounding suburbs where there was just tons of live music. And um, I, you know, I was very young. I couldn't drive a car, but a good friend of mine uh, who was older than me, music, into music like I was, took me to the Grandy Ballroom. Mm. And I, I actually saw The Who, and it was the second night of their 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 little uh i think they were there friday saturday and sunday it was saturday night and it was the the friday night was the first time they did the rock opera tommy live and i saw it the second night and the opening act for them was joe cocker no kidding yeah and you know at the time it cost me five dollars you can go online and look it up there's a great uh uh internet uh concert database if you google that it, it tells you you can find any concert anywhere in the city of detroit by band by venue by year no kidding and so on and i think it was five dollars same friend took me to cobo hall where i saw Jimi hendrix you know oh, wow. and i was very very young and at the time i was so young that it you know and i think the era was that we didn't really realize that the who and joe cocker and Jimi Hendrix and these people, or even the Motown people, were going to be as iconic as they've become. So it really didn't impress you. Seeing Bob Seger at the Oakland Mall or someplace like that, I saw I saw him at the Autorama. Okay, all right, he played the right. Autorama, and people were. I just walked up to the stage, and you're just standing there, and there's Bob Seger. He was very young, and uh, you know, my family took me to Autorama and. And, and when he started playing, I went over and watched him. And um, it, it, you didn't realize, you know, what it, great experiences, but you didn't know what it was going to become, who these people were going to end up being. And um, there was live music everywhere. Um, dances, you know, high schools hosted it. There was uh, the state fair, uh, the old state fairgrounds. If people are, are listening, they might remember the old state fairground before it was all before the softball city, there used to be a racetrack there and they had a grandstand and for two summers in a row, it was so close to my house that I could walk to it. Mm. And um, they had the rock and roll revival. You know, it was the James gang and Dr. John and uh, Chuck Berry, the MC five. 
just all of these people and it went on all day for two days it was just music for two days you know um i feel bad for people of this era because you know <laughs> i mean to go to a concert now is what you know start started 150 bucks or more oh, to get easy. a ticket a decent ticket easy. 250 you know and, i won't even um, tell you what it's like in vegas i i took my wife oh uh, and it was we went and seen usher while we were out there yeah and we seen bruno mars and i i don't even i mean i found the cheapest tickets i think and i think i paid for the two of them it was probably eight hundred dollars but it was but it was something oh. that she wanted to she's always wanted to see him it was like her birthday we were out there for that oh but yeah. i mean but bruno I mean, it's mars. Just crazy bruno mars you know, and I'm not I'm not real familiar with all of his work, but his most recent stuff is it harkens back to the bygone era. I've seen some of the videos and oh, yeah. and my wife has and guy guy's just incredibly talented, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, I I kinda I, I like him. Um I, I I have to plead guilty that I'm not that up on all oh, of course Usher, I know Usher is and and those people, but yeah. Yeah, it was a different time, and I grew up in that. I, I was very young in that era, and radio was huge. We didn't have, um, well, I did anything like Sirius XM. There were a couple AM radio stations. And then when I was really young, they came on with a couple of what they called freeform FM stations. Okay. And um, the disc jockeys just picked and played whatever they wanted. There was no format, and uh, they would just talk, and it was very low-key no affected you know you know it, it, it was just a different thing and and that lasted for a few years but they were able to bring new music in and introduce you to to new music that really probably wasn't going to make pop radio right you know but um yeah it was a great it was just a great great era of of uh, music and um you know you know the, the motown thing you know you know scotty you and i talk i'm a huge motown fan sure just huge you couldn't i don't think you can grow up in detroit and not love motown oh yeah you know i just it, it, it's just it was just the greatest music you know um and it came from that uh, the musicians and and the singers they came from um i would say the working class of detroit you know yeah. so yeah, there's a lot that that soul that soul was acquired by life you know oh, yeah. it wasn't just it wasn't put on, you know, they, they, they acquired that from living and not easily in all cases, you know? Right. And, uh, there's some, you can't replace that. Like, like you listen to a lot of the, um, old, old blues and you realize these, these men that were in, in some of the cases, women were singing it, that, that it was based on life. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't like, oh, I like the way this sounds. I'm going to emulate that. No, this was their, this was their soul. You know, this was them. And that's what I think Motown had that when they left uh, Detroit, went to LA that they lost. Yeah. You know, I, they well, just, they just lost that. I, well, I, I feel the same way. Cause you know, uh, we, we were talking about this before and uh, Corey's like, Corey had said, um, you know what happened to the Funk Brothers after they left? And he goes, "Did they go to L.A. with them?" And I think some, of, I, I think James Jamerson tried out there for a while, but a lot of them, like I know we were talking about, because you knew or you had met uh, Messina, and was this mm -hmm. Joe Messina? Was it Joe? Joe Messina. Joe Messina. Yeah. And I and, and just passed but, away. Yeah, and and I know that some of them, you know, basically they. I mean, and it's it was kind of sad to see like a lot of those musicians. And to me, I think um, when you look at the, a lot of those Motown artists, when they went to California, other than maybe Stevie Wonder, uh, most of those older Motown acts kind of didn't do as well once they left out of yeah. here. Yeah, you know, Joe Messina, for instance, he just gave up music for many, many years. I was fortunate enough to get to play his guitar one time and, uh, you know, and I was old enough when I got to play it that I realized what I was playing. So I knew this is the guitar that was on, you know, um, you know, Bernadette. And this was, you know, I'm a big Four Tops fan. But on, on, the mo on all the Temp songs and Stevie, the early Stevie Wonder and, and so on, this is the guitar that played, that made that music. 
but yeah, they all, uh, James Jamerson went and he ended up dying very young. I think, uh, drinking and, and so on caught up with him. I think Robert White, who was the guitarist that, uh, created that, the iconic little guitar riff in my girl, um, went out there, died young, um, never really caught on out there. The, the, I don't think the Hollywood scene, the, the, the LA scene really took them in, right? you know, and, um, you know, they were the house band, you know, they were, you know, I, I if you ever watch the movie, it's kind of a shame. Um, if you ever watch the movie Standing in the Shadows of Motown, which is great. a great yeah, documentary, absolutely. Absolutely. And the opening scene is, um, I can't think of the piano player, keyboard piano player's name. He's playing in the lobby of the Troy Marriott Hotel. You know how they have a pianist in the lobby? Sure. That's the opening scene. And I'm thinking, what a shame this man, that all the talent, and he's just there and nobody knows who he is. Yeah. You know, they walk by and they don't know who he is. But the Funk Brothers were certainly, um, I've often said that they could have just played the music and they could have assigned any kind of singers they wanted to the, any, their pick to those songs and they would have been hits. Yeah, I think. The songs were good, though. Right. The songs oh, were really good. Yeah, I think I think they, you know, like I said before, I think they really kind of lost their soul, so to speak. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, just you know, because Motown, you know, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I know that uh, that they went out there, probably worked with the Wrecking Crew and stuff like that, and that was a sound in itself, you know. That was a whole boy, different sound, totally yeah, totally different sound, yeah, you know. But hey, I mean, it's it's, but you know, it's funny, you know, in speaking about different music, just how how. Uh, a lot of artists, a lot of songwriters, um, even players um, have done that you would have never have known played on different things or wrote different songs mm-hmm. for different people. And I think that's that's a very I, the older I get, the more I like to uh, delve into that. And and I don't know about you. I I used to like and the, you really can't get it anymore is I used to like when I would buy an album to like look at and see who the players were on because back in the day even when even when they had cassette tapes you could open up the yeah. the cassette tape and you could say eddie bayers played drums here you know this guy played you know uh, bass and and i and i always really really like that kind of uh trivia knowledge so to speak and just to know who played on a lot of the, and that, that, oh, that always oh. that always amazed me yeah, it's, you know, it's really a very, it's a very small um, group of people that that made all that music and, and, and played, you know, and, and you and I know from, um, uh, from playing, there's a, there's a difference from playing live and playing in a studio. And, you know, where a studio time is money, right? Sure. I mean, they don't have time to learn songs. They don't have time to, you know, teach it to you and to keep you replacing parts. I've done a little, uh, a band I was in, you know, uh, many years ago, we re- went to a studio and recorded a, uh, a little demo, promotional demo, of, mm. and it was all cover material. But, um, you know, they spent a lot of time with us fixing our mistakes, yeah. you know, and in a in a studio, that's time. Time equates money, so you got to hit it right now, and you've got to be. You know, a lot of people think, and, and in many cases, particularly in the era of Motown and rock and so on, uh, not ever, not all those parts were written out for them. They were they were innovators. They they thought out the part. They invented the part. So it's a it's a whole different breed of musician, you know, and one that I'm I'm really into. I really respect those people immensely you know sure and uh yeah and, and they and yeah, a, lot of, a lot of those guys are you i mean to, to they were basically behind the scenes and and what a big impact yeah. that they made because i know uh back at late 90s i i had went down to nashville and recorded a demo and uh, come to find out afterwards uh my bass player on the song ralph azell who's passed now from shenandoah played bass mm. uh and the guy that played um uh acoustic guitar bird burton from the amazing rhythm Mathers. 
I, I was, yeah. sh- I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know, I mean, I knew it was Shenandoah at the time, but, uh, but right. the guy was like, yeah, that's Bird, Bird, and then, you know, it, it just like, all these guys that are just, they love to play, they're still playing, or, you know, obviously the, some of them have passed now, but they enjoy doing that, and all, there's just the session work that a lot of these guys get, and you would have never know, you would never know. No. No, they're, um, you know, Nashville still has their A-team of um, studio musicians where there's a particular guitar player, for instance, his name's Brent Mason. Yeah. And he, yeah, you can Google him. You can see him. He's on Instagram. I follow on Instagram and uh, everything else. But he's an incredible musician and he plays on virtually everybody's records, recordings. But um yeah, you know, and you're right. You you'd get the album or in the old days or the cassette and you'd you'd pull the little um you'd turn tip the album over, turn the album over, or pull the little card out of the cassette yeah. and it would list the credits. You know, now in this age of streaming, uh we don't we don't have that anymore, you know. Yeah. Fortunately vinyl seems to be making a bit of a comeback. So um, you know, people are getting into vinyl again. Um but yeah, we you, we would read those liner. They call them the liner notes. You'd read those things, you know, and they're all very interesting stuff. But um, yeah, and the studio musicians would would get would oftentimes get credit. But um, yeah, that, that, now you know, except for a handful of of them at this point, that I'm I'm aware of who they are. Uh, you don't know much about them anymore. Yeah, that, that, that's true, and, and it's kind of sad, you know, that they kind of disappeared. But, you know, even even talking about the, the, the players, I mean, even the, the documentary about, uh, what was it, uh, was it 30 Feet from f- Stardom? Stardom, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was just a great documentary, too, and all those voices of those women and men that, 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 that sang backup. I mean, it, the talent is just phenomenal. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great movie, and uh, you might remember in that movie the young younger of the um, background singers, very good, a, a young woman. There were a lot of more older. If you might remember the younger, to show you, you know how fate goes, she's a great singer. I can't think of her name right now, but she was rehearsing to go on the Michael Jackson tour when Michael passed away. I know, exactly and she had. Yep. Yeah, and she had prominent parts where she sang duets and she was on stage with them a lot. And, you know, that 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 obviously, you know, that would have been an amazing thing for her career. But um, it didn't come to pass. Right. You know, he, he passed away. And, and but she's a great singer and all of those, you know, um, you know, when you think about these, this is the, like, um Give me shelter, the Rolling Stones song. There's a great thing in that 30 feet from stardom where the woman that sang that part, they called her from home. She was in her her, her robe and she was pregnant. Yeah. And she sings this incredibly high part at the in the song. And if people are familiar with that song, they'll know what I'm talking about. And um, she was just, yeah, you know, just call me in. Call me in the middle of the night. I'll come in and do it, you know. And uh, they were just and, and like like I love the name of that movie because as they stood on stage, they're thirty feet from the star. Yeah, you know that is so but true. They they made they make the they make these songs. Oh, what they are. It, you know? it isn't so funny though. Like you see, like I I know when when you look at different singers, you know though the the stars itself to me sometimes they may not be the best singer. Like, you know, when you look at the, like the, even like the Supremes, I mean, Florence Ballard was an amazing vocalist. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, yeah, you know, I thought she had a way better voice than, uh, you know, Diana Ross. And don't get me wrong, I love Diana Ross. But, you know, I, I just think that, you know, a lot of these women who had better voices than the front man or even guy-wise, I mean, when you see certain things like that, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, and who knows why those decisions were made? And you know, I mean, uh, Barry Gordy was a marketing. On top of being a musical genius, he was a marketing genius. Oh, you yeah. know, and that 
that he, for some reason, he thought she would market the group better. Uh, I know, I know that they, I think they had a thing, you know, so sure. maybe that, maybe yeah, that influenced yeah, it. Yeah, that's <laughs> you, true. You, never, you just don't know. But, you know, he made business decisions too, you know, and, and you're, you know, um, as good as you are, you know, if you can't sell it to people, you know, it, there's just a lot of great singers and musicians out there that never make it. That is true. You and, know, and then you and see a lot of these it, groups that have, that have gone through personnel changes and have kept right on going, you know, uh, yeah. just take the temptations. I mean, when they lost yeah. David Ruffin and, and then even after they lost, uh, Eddie Kendricks, I mean, they, Damon Harris was a spot on Eddie. Uh, it, a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, when he took over for Eddie Kendricks, I mean, if you listen to some of the records he's on, you'd think it's Eddie Kendricks, you know? Yeah. And then Dennis Edwards Scott came in there and, yeah. Uh, I don't think, you know, I, I don't know if he's passed or not, but yeah, he, he, just he, was, he was, yep. he was great. You know, he just really fit in and did it. Yeah. They, yeah. You know, they, and I, I think, what is it? Um, was it Otis Williams or is he the only he's one the old, there yes. at some point there? Oh yeah. That remained the only one. And, you know, the four tops were always one of my favorites and they were very, very, uh, it was the four tops for a long, long time. They didn't have any personnel changes. But, um, you know, Levi, Levi Stubbs is just a great, he's just a great, was a great singer, you know. And they just had, they, I, I, I kind of was drawn to their music for some reason. And I like the Temptations. But, and then, you know, um, it's, uh, you know, a little known, you know, the whole, the Levi Stubbs is, I think his whole family was, uh, in a uh, uh, in the music business because he had a brother named Joe Stubbs, okay, who was a, in a group called the Falcons, okay. and they were a Detroit group. And another member of the group was a guy by the name of Sir Mac Rice. And you, did you ever hear that name before, Sir I Mac have, Rice? I haven't heard that name. Okay, well here I'll put you. Here's the song that Mac Rice wrote, Mustang Sally. Really? Okay. All right. Yeah. And he recorded it before uh, Wilson Pickett did. He actually recorded it. And um, he just passed away. He lived in Detroit when he died. He, he owned a, 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 an asphalt, a parking lot asphalt company when he died. Wow. Um, I, I told a friend of mine, I says, if, if every bar band in the world would have just had to pay $1 to him every time they played his song, he wouldn't have owned a construction company. Yeah. You know, that song has been covered forever and ever. And true. it's still a great song. And they were in a group together in Detroit. So that, and I think he's the old, Joe was the older brother of Levi. But um, yeah, you know, that's part of that Detroit history. You know, there are a lot, I, I don't really remember much about the Falcons. I've just read about Mac Rice. And I mean, when he passed away, I read about him and, uh, great contribution to music writing that song though it's become a it's an iconic song it's an iconic american song you know and you know you and i both know from from doing it um every time we do it people love it you know yeah you know you people say i've been playing that song since i was 15 years old and but they still like it so it, it's got to be a great song and and even you know it's like when we, we play out scotty it's, isn't it fun to look out there at the crowd and find the young people that are mouthing the words to that music that we play? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, ama it, it's amazing to see that. Yeah. There's an article that was just in the Atlantic magazine. I think I may have sent the link to you about, is old music killing new music? And this song, this music critic was, was discussing that in terms of streaming, it's older music that people are buying and, and streaming. It's not newer stuff. It's just crushing it out. Mm -hmm. And he was commenting about being in a restaurant and they were playing CCR. And he goes, well, why are you playing this? And some, he said, some very young wait, wait, uh, wait person. She said to him, uh, I love this stuff, you know? And so you realize that real that that music of that era really had some amazing staying power. And when you, you know, and I don't know if you've ever seen him. I I've seen him twice, 
once when he was with Wings and once in, uh, in 2019, I saw Paul McCartney. And when I looked at the crowd, there are kids out there singing this stuff. Right. You know, it's not just, um, it's not just, it's not just older people. So the music has really transcended generations, you know, and which is cool, which right. is really cool. Yeah, it's definitely, you know? it's and, definitely uh, stood the test of time. I mean, uh, yeah. like Lennon and McCartney, I mean, just, I mean, good music is just good music. I mean, yeah. And we won't know, we won't know, you know, maybe, maybe that's the point. It's like history. You and what I saw when I was a kid, I had no idea what it would be like that it would be that significant in the future. Maybe today's music's the same way. You know, um, you won't know how good it is really until time judges it. You know, mm-hmm. and and a lot of songs from those eras that of the past. I mean, I've forgotten about because they were really terrible songs. You know, sure. but the good ones rose to the top. You know, and maybe in this era of music, the same thing will happen. It'll just take time to, uh, well, my, 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 my kids were watching the uh, Super Bowl this year and the halftime show, they said it was like being, they were so happy. It, they said, it's like being back in high school. Right. You know, I thought it was a pretty the, decent the, show. I mean, if you're into the, oh, the whole rap thing, I mean, I mean, those were iconic songs. You know, I mean, oh, I, yeah, I enjoy that, that, I enjoy some rap, not not the newer stuff, but uh, the, the through the eighties and and in the nineties. I mean, it was you know, it, it's a form yeah. of to me, it's just a form of poetry, and 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 it's well, you know, that, expressed that's really very well. true. You know, yeah, my my both my both my daughters, they they were just ecstatic about that show. But you 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 say it's a form of poetry, and you have to go back and talk about rap. And the history of that is, it goes back, back to the '60s, and people can look this up. There was a guy um, by the name of Gil Scott Heron. Have you ever heard of Gil Scott Heron? He was an African American um, poet. He was kind of a, I don't know what they call those guys, but they would put their poetry to music, you know, like, and and he had a lot of socially relevant things where it was basically rap music, the, the precursors of, of, of what was to come, you know, mm-hmm. great stuff. I mean, if you ever listen, you can look him up on, on YouTube and you can find a lot of his stuff. And uh, I actually, back in the days of Freeform radio, they would play that. And he um, had some very controversial lyrics, but it, but for the time now it'd be considered pretty mild i'm sure you know but um he he was a precursor of, of all the rap so there's a long history for for that and i think when it comes to rap and hip-hop you know the, the cream will rise to the top right sure. and with history a lot of it'll fade away because it's just not good and some of it'll stand the test of time you know and it'll, it'll become iconic I, I would think we keep building it's like the Sinatra era music. What I we listen to, you know, we listen to Tony Bennett and some of these songs like uh, my favorites, uh, "Fly Me to the Moon" sure. and um, "Moonlight in Vermont," and uh, you know the the Tony Bennett stuff. Even uh, you know his iconic song, "I Left My Heart in San Francisco." These songs have stood the test test of time, but they recorded hundreds and hundreds of songs that nobody remembers anymore because only certain ones really had you know, what it, what it takes, you know, you make me feel so young and, and those songs, they were just great, great songs, you know, and they stood the test of time. Um, that's a great, you know, um, for people that are into, you know, today, as we know, you know, when you go into a, a studio now, there's a basically a, a countless number of tracks they can put up. For instance, if you have an orchestra, on a on a record a recording you can you can mic every instrument separately mm-hmm. you can record it separately you know people have to think back to the early bennett tony bennett sinatra that era of singers you know rosemary clooney was the uh, female singer um uh, and those those folks ella fitzgerald yeah absolutely you know nat king cole they recorded that stuff live there was an orchestra sitting there 
Yeah, there and, were not multiple tracks. And from what I know. heard about Frank Sinatra, though, I heard he was a one taker, and he he if somebody messed up orchestra wise, he was he wasn't happy. He was he, I heard he was yeah. a one take guy. So I mean, yeah, I mean, you definitely had to have that kind of musicianship to. And and I've also read that he liked to when he was recording, he liked to call in like uh, the clerical staff and employees to sit and watch him. Because he liked to perform. He was a performance guy first. Sure. And he liked to perform. Oh, yeah. And, you know, um, people people don't realize here's a name that everybody's going to know, Quincy Jones. Sure. Well, mo- you can listen to multiple live Frank Sinatra recordings where he, he says, you know, the great Count Basie Orchestra led by Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones was the director, yeah. you know, the conductor of those bands live with Frank Sinatra. Talk about talk about a storied career, all the way from Frank Sinatra to Michael Jackson, yeah, and everything in between. You know, just uh, a tremendous end. So you know, he had the best of the best. You get Quincy Jones leading your orchestra, you got the best of the best. You know, and. Uh, and yeah, that stuff's live. These people are playing live, and he's singing to it. And same thing with Bennett and Fitzgerald, Ella Fitzgerald, and I love Nat King Cole and, and that era of music. And, and don't get me wrong, some of it I I think is is a little bit trite, mm-hmm. but lots of it is really really good music, you know. Yeah, and and, really, and really it's sad to see like a lot of that. A lot of these younger kids, uh, I call them younger kids. They just they they they're not. You know, because a lot of these stations, they're not playing this stuff anymore. You know, I mean, in order to kind of, I think in order, uh, like Detroit area, the only uh, station that I know that kind of plays oldies on a regular is, uh, and then like some deep oldies is uh, WPON, uh, AM 1460. Um, So in order to get, you know, a lot of these older, these older songs, you got, you almost have to get satellite radio. Yeah, and you know that that it's sad. I, I've talked to a lot of really young, very talented musicians that I've played with in different circumstances, not in a band, but for events and um, some of the things I've done. And you know, talk to about a about a guitar player. Like I'll give you a great example. I mentioned right, you know, like Jimmy Page, and they look at you and go, "Who's Jimmy Page?" Right. Well, you ever heard of Led Zeppelin, The Yardbirds? And they kind of look at you, you know, I mean, they, and, and they think, and, you know, the old saying is, you know, you don't know where you're going until you know where you've been. True. And it's particularly because I do play in, I, you know, you know, I do play in church and um, a very uh, modern type thing. And I tell these people, there's no such thing as Christian music. There are lyrics that are Christian oriented. The music is the same chord structure i've been playing my whole life yeah it's all the same Mm -hmm. it's there's not a bit of difference to it and i i have to prove it to them you know i'll play like play some and i get the name and the the songs begin begin to kind of in, in that genre they begin to mix together and i can't keep them straight but i'll play it and then i'll play um a song called just one look by doris troy great oldie sure and I go, it's the same chord pattern. This is the basically the doo-wop chord pattern that was adapted to all of rock and roll and pop music. It's all, there's just a few variations of it. This, you know, you, you think that when you're going to write a song, you, oh, this is great, it's all new. Well, your lyrics may be new and your melody may be unique, but the music is, you know, and, and that's why I can figure out, you know, anybody that's played a long time can figure out music really, songs really fast because you hear it and you go, well, I understand that pattern. Right. Because it's all the same. That's true. Now, obviously, when you get to jazz and you get to big band music, that's a whole different world, sure, you know. Sure. That's a different world of playing, you know, and, and music. But certainly in the pop and the rock and roll and the, um, you know, the R&B feels, it, it, it's pretty much this been the same thing forever in terms of, of the actual underlying music. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, it, you know, and I, that's why I think, you know, I think you and I both would talk about this. 
why we're so into the history. You know, I know when you listen, you listen to a, a ton of different things and you listen to old stuff. Sure. But when you listen to old stuff, you hear new stuff. You hear some of the new songs in it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, you go, I, you absolutely. Know. Yep. You know, if you're familiar, if you're familiar with the, you know, people that are Beatles fans, if they go back and they listen to Buddy Holly, the Everly Brothers, and the early Motown, um, or the, they weren't Motown, they were the, the early uh, R&B female groups like the Shirelles and so on, the Beatles were really into that. That's what they grew up with. Yep. If you listen to like uh, Carl Perkins, you listen to George Harrison play the guitar and Carl Perkins play the guitar and you realize who influenced him. Oh yeah. And they just took it a, they took it a step further. You know, they took it and they interpreted it, but you know, you can listen to it. It's it's, and that's what they loved, you know, and that's, that's just some, um, that that's some great music, but they built on that. So today, when you hear your songs from the '60s or '70s, you can hear it reflected in today's music. You know, you say, "Oh, you know, that's that's kind of sounds a little bit." I know people get sued in the old days. They didn't sue people nearly as much for copyright infringement, but today I know that they do. Um, you know, they sue people a lot over that, but. There's really nothing new in music, you know. It's just a different. It's just your interpretation and your nuances and so on that you add into it. And it's been around for a long, you know. These these chord patterns and stuff been around for just a long, long time. That is true. So, well, let me ask you something. So, Are you ready to play? You want to play this game real quick? Yeah. Okay. So sure. I'm going to try to stump you, and and I and I I think I don't know. Well, you might. I, I don't know, Charlie. I, I think I I, fi- I thought I would find a good one for you, but I'm going to start playing this music and it, and it's not the full songs; it's just clips of stuff. And um, you tell me what is in common with all these songs. I'm going to start it right now. Can you hear that? Yeah. Okay. Exchanging glances, wandering in the night. What were the chances? That's Frank Sinatra, Strangers of the Night. Right? Yeah. Before the night was through. So you got that, you get, you know, you've heard that song before. Yeah. Here's the next song The Righteous Brothers. That is The Righteous Brothers. You've lost that love and feeling. You lost that love and feeling. So we went from Frank Sinatra to the Everly Brothers. And two great songs. Oh, yeah. Here's the next one. So that's a big change there, Charlie. Frank Sinatra, Everly Brothers. Do you know what this song is? Have you heard this it's one? Not Hank Will- no. It's not Hank Williams. And then we go into... You know what? Yeah, that's Elvis. Elvis Presley, you got this one. You know what, Charlie? I I, I know that sec that third song. I totally forgot who who I put in there was the artist. I just Ooh. thought I thought maybe here's the next one. So we've gone from Frank Sinatra to the Everly Brothers, Elvis Presley, and the the third song is I, I want to say it was he was a country artist and and I wish I would have. Yeah. Here's the Monkees. So all of these songs have something in common. 
Hmm. And here's the next song. It's in common with. This is a variety of music, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Do you think you might have a clue? Well, I went through my mind. I believe this is the from... Hollies. Am I right on that? I think Sounds this is... like them. Yeah. Here's an... Um, I started with thinking of studio musicians, but I know... Here's the next one. And... This might have gave it away. Well... You know, my, my thought was a lot of those songs, but I, I wasn't sure sure on Jan and Dean. Yeah. Um, I, 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 my first guess would be it was the, the, the Wrecking Crew played on them. I but, would, I would um, probably have to say you were correct, uh, uh, but it's not the Wrecking Crew, per se. Well, is it Carol Kay, the bass player? It is not Carol Kay. Could it be? Okay. Well, my other guess would be my guess would be if it's if it's something to do with the Wrecking Crew, it would either be Hal Blaine the drummer, or Leon Russell. No, it's neither. Wow, yeah. that is surprising. I thought you would have gotten this one. Sure. I, I I thought to myself, no, Man, I, maybe I, I could you know, stump it's, it. it's very no, I I can't. You know. I mean, I know a lot of the Wrecking Crew. Tommy Tedesco was the guitar, the main guitar player, mm-hmm. um, and others. Glenn Campbell was a guitar player. Well, you um, just mentioned Glenn Campbell, and that is who played guitar on every one of those songs. No kidding. Yeah, yeah Glenn Campbell, great guitar. Yes. Player. Couldn't li- couldn't read a lick of music. It took me a while to kind of stump you, Charlie, because I, I I I said, yeah. man, I and I knew in the back of my mind you were familiar with Glenn Campbell because we've we've talked yeah. about the Wrecking Crew a, oh. a bunch. You know, Glenn Campbell. I mean, you know, he he played. He actually toured a little bit with the Beach Boys when Brian Wilson first bowed out. And and he's a great great guitar player, just a a great guitar player. There. Um, there are a couple songs by him, and, and I was not a huge fan, but I've come to really respect him later in life. And one was uh, Wichita Lineman. Oh, yeah. And then by the time I get to Phoenix, they were just really, really good songs. Um, and what do those two songs have in common other than uh, um, other than he played and sang them? Yeah, that is that is very true. Yeah, you he know, was just an by amazing the, I, and you, Written and I by the great known. Jimmy Webb. Yes. Jim Webb, Jimmy Webb, who's going to be at the Ark in Ann Arbor coming up soon. Um, really? He wrote, yeah, I just saw a thing, yeah. And Jim Webb, he wrote just tons of really, really good songs. Oh, Galveston was another one. And um, it, it was... Um, yeah, and Galveston, which which came out during the Vietnam era, I read an article about it, and people thought it was it it, um, it makes some references to to leaving. They thought it was a Vietnam War song, but it was actually taken from a story about the Civil War, and uh, it, it was what it was the, the subject matter was. But oh yeah, yeah, Glenn Campbell, you know, just a, a great great musician, great singer. Great studio guy, you know, made his way into the wrecking crew. Although, you know, people like Tommy Tedesco, who was the probably the mainstay guitarist, could read music and, and like Joe Messina could. But the rest of the guy, but many of them couldn't. Glenn Campbell didn't read a note of music. He was just a, a, an intuitive guitar player, you know. Yeah. And there's a lot of videos out there of him playing where they're just, just fabulous, you know, just a fabulous musician. Well, that was a good one, Scotty. Well, I'm glad you liked that one. That was one. a good one. Yeah. I'm glad you liked that one. So I, I'm not going to keep you too much longer. So listen, I know you're going to be coming on the show tomorrow, and we got a lot to talk about, a lot going on. 
Um, yeah. And, and, and I know, like I said, um, for all the people out there that are listening, uh, Charlie is one of our favorite guests and uh, one of our highest rated shows on the, on the podcast platform is talking about police brutality, which is what we talked about last time. Um, but we're going to get into um, some, ma- we're going to talk some mass shootings. I know Doc will be here tomorrow. Corey will be here tomorrow. And Charles Craft will be here tomorrow. And we got a lot to talk about. I mean, you, you want to preview some of the stuff? We, I mean, I know we're going to talk well, about Buffalo. Uh, we're going to yeah. talk about, um, uh, we were going to talk about the Grand Rapids thing. I don't know if that's old news, but that is definitely something we are definitely with Devlin too. Well, I, I still think it's there. I, I think, you know, there's a lot of more information that's come out, which we should talk, which doesn't change what happened really, but sure. um, it changes the context. The Buffalo thing, uh, talk about that and um, some of the, you know, capabilities that people think law enforcement has that they don't, you know, people watch a lot of TV and, uh, you know, they sit down at the computer and they flip on the computer and they, they know everything about somebody, right? It, it, that's, that's not the way it works. That's true. I'm, I'm sorry to say, and, uh, destroy some of those myths and, and talk about, you know, how things like this can happen, you know, yes. horrible, just, it's horrible. I mean, I, there, there's nothing more, you know, there's no other word to describe those kinds of things. And all of those shootings are like that. And certainly they're all, you know, they all have one thing in common. And regardless of who the victims are, they're all the result of hate. Yeah. You know, so and, um, and, you know, and directed it at some particular group and what we need to do to protect ourselves. So we, 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 there's a lot of, we can go a lot of ways on that. I think we will. We'll, We'll get into that a little bit, and hopefully, some people will want to call up and offer their opinions or um, give us some, you know, give us give us uh, some questions. That'd be great. Yep, and we will be live tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night on the Wisdom app at seven p.m. And uh, we will definitely, definitely uh, be taking your calls. And uh, we'd like to thank you for tuning in tonight. Um, and I'd like to thank Charles for coming on and talking something light. And you know what, Charles? I'm going to have another music in common for you tomorrow. I want to see if you can possibly okay. get this one, too. So, uh, And I'll have, one, right. I'll have one for Dave, and I'll have one for Corey. So we're, we'll definitely talk definitely talk some serious stuff and then we'll get into something a little lighter but charles thanks for coming on and and i will definitely oh, see you tomorrow I, yeah scott thanks for having me and you know i love to talk music it's been a a fast hour because I, I just love the topic you know and we'll definitely be talking more for sure on music so all right all charles right. well thank you for uh, coming on once again and thank you for all our listeners who's listening in tonight We really appreciate you, and we will see you tomorrow night live, 7 p.m. on the Wisdom app. And if you don't, if you can't catch it tomorrow night live, we'll have everything on the on the podcasting platforms: Spotify, Apple. We're we're on Audible now, Amazon Podcast. We're all over the place. Anywhere you like, uh, where you listen to your podcast, we are there. So that's what that's what we'll be doing tomorrow. And uh, take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. We'd like to thank everybody for making it a wonderful stay. We'd like to thank the Rolling Stones for being a great group. We'd like to thank the Mamas and Papas for making it good. We'd like to thank Running Spoonful for making it happy. But most of all, we'd like to thank the Beatles for starting it all up for us. This concludes our broadcast day. Are you looking for a reliable tax preparer for all of your personal and business taxes? Well, look no further than the newest sponsor of the Cohen Bro Opinion Show, Fulton Core Services. That's right. Get your taxes done the right way, professionally. Call Des Fulton today at 248-483-0529. That's right, 248-483-0529. Or DM him on the gram at Fulton Core Services. Get back what's coming to you. Get Fulton Core Services.
Are you looking for exclusive designs that grow as your kids grow? How about hand-picked and timeless with every piece that celebrates the simplicity and sophistication which should always exist in children's fashion? Well, Parker Lane is dedicated to every parent who yearns to fill their little one's wardrobe with thoughtful and appropriate fluid fashion. They're there to dismantle the belief that your children should be defined by characters, colors, and limiting styles, so they thrive in the details, give more with less, and create consistent looks that will stand the test of time. For Parker Lane clothing and every child getting dressed and getting prepared to share their brilliance with the world. I am me, we are us. Parker Lane clothing. Check them out today at parkerlaneclothing.com.